We would like to welcome you to today's sermon delivered by Pastor Stuart Guthrie. We hope that it challenges, strengthens, and encourages your walk in the Lord. Well, we've been working through the book of of Nehemiah. Um, We're in chapter 2. We've looked at several different areas of, of positive attributes, if you would, so to speak, in this man, Nehemiah, this great and prominent leader of this day. And so by way of introduction, I want us to to understand what we looked at last week. We looked at verses 5 and 6, and within these two verses, there was great truths unpacked, and and really, probably, we we could have went beyond the borders of where I taught. Uh, I simply taught what God put on my heart. Uh, There are probably many more directions that sermon could have went, but in the reality, we unpack two great truths that I think will help us in the life uh, of trying to live and being on task, which we titled that sermon last week. And so we saw that, that Nehemiah was focused in his life and in his objectives through a life of prayer. He had a life that was focused on prayer as his reaction to the king asking the question, what is it? you request. We talked about responding to life's circumstances without first praying. And if I can be honest, when I took this job three weeks ago, I had been praying, but when it came about, I just accepted the position. Maybe I should have listened to what Nehemiah had told us as he had been praying for four months for the opportunity to go to Judah to rebuild the walls. And then the king says, what is it you're requesting? And what does he say he does? He stops and he prays. You think God was trying to teach me something? Mm. Amen. Praise God that, that, that even today, God can still teach me. He can still say, you know what, I, I want to I I use your experience into teaching you something so that next time that this takes place, you'll have a better of understanding of how to respond to that. That's what we call the process of sanctification. And so yesterday I was driving and I'm thinking, well, I just left my job now, okay, this ought to be interesting when I'm a, my phone rings and it's a guy who says, hey, listen, um, I need you to to do some work for me. Would you like to come and, and meet with me Monday? I said, yes, I'd love to come meet with you Monday. I said, but I will not give you an answer Monday. I'll pray about it. You see, God, I think, is in the process of growing each one of us. And I'm sure you have those things in your life where you can look back and you go, aha, those aha moments. I'm reading a book now called The Aha Moment or something like that. I don't know the title of it. But he talks about those moments in which we, God really just reveals to us. And here, we talked about responding to those circumstances in life when, when we feel like God is leading us somewhere and the doors open and, and sometimes we just jump right in. And those can be times of stress, difficulties, in which God, I believe, teaches us As we work through those, this is not an area that you should have been in the first place, Stuart. All the stress and all of the 
anxiety and the difficulties you went over, you put it on yourself. As you failed to approach me about your decision. But we learned, Nehemiah taught me, he taught us, that we should be praying first. Otherwise, we may get ourselves in a pickle. Nehemiah had prayed to accomplish that which he felt the Lord leading him to. And the day had come four months later in which the king would now begin to work in favor of this great leader. And so when the king asked the question, we learned that Nehemiah lifted himself up to the Lord in prayer. But that wasn't all that we saw unfold in our text because while Nehemiah was a, is a prayer-focused man or a God-focused man, we also learned that Nehemiah was a plan-focused man. This morning we had some of the men, well, most of the men in the church, school, and we talked about how, what does it look like for Grace Bible Church as we begin to think through the strategic planning and the purpose of this church which God's blessed us with. And we had some information over here, and we had some information over here, and we had some information over here, and so when we started slinging those around, and Mud was flying and brains were slinging all kind of information. And so we said, all right, let's start narrowing it down. So we started chipping off some of those things. And we got down to the ultimate purpose of what the church is designed for. You see, what we're doing is we're planning. What is our objective as a church? Nehemiah was a planning man. Those four months while he was praying, he wasn't just serving as the cupbearer to the king. He was planning for his purpose. Nehemiah had a plan. And we saw our need to plan our lives. Not simply to be tossed to and fro in every direction by everything offered up to us. Because would you not agree that once we get on a track in which we are hopefully by the power of the Holy Spirit and based off of the foundation of God's Word, building this track to reach a goal that things will come our way that we just don't need to take in. There will be programs that will not edify and build in the direction in which we are trying to accomplish as a church. And so therefore we may want to say, you know what, we probably don't want to take those on right now because it will hinder us from accomplishing the goals and the directions that, that we want to do. And as we will see later in the book, in the life of Nehemiah, as he had planned this thing, when he got there, he started strategically even planning deeper. And there were things that came in that, that tried to alter his direction and where he was going. And he had to just kind of put those things to the side. The fact is, though, that he was a planning man in those period in which he was a praying man also. We need to plan our lives so that we aren't tossed left and right, but that we can stay on track and seek God's direction when we know that we know what it is that God desires for us to do in our lives and in our church and in our businesses and in our families. It's then we begin to build and 
to make it happen through the strength of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 4, we find a man that's a praying man. In verse 5, we find uh, the plan of Nehemiah. And then today, as we look at verses 7 to 9 of chapter 2, we'll find the proceeding of Nehemiah. And thus, I've entitled the message, Proceeding with Purpose. I think it's very important for us this morning to start off by asking this simple but truly significant question. What is our purpose? What is your purpose? Isn't that such a simple question? What is your purpose? But it is vital to everything we do in life. If, if I have a business, I better know my purpose. Because I can always get out sidetracked and get put off and next thing you know it hinders my business. Or it may be as a family. I have six lovely children. I should have a purpose. My purpose as a father, as a husband, as a dad is to train and equip, equip my children for the gospel of Jesus Christ and to adequately make sure that they are launched into a world that is an anti-Christian world in which we live in so i have a purpose so i have to ask the question on a daily basis which sometimes i lack is to say is this which we are going to do and strive to going to accomplish the purpose in which i have established for our family we have to do the same thing in our lives in our businesses in our church and we have to begin to ask the question what is our purpose? I think too many of us in our lives live our lives not knowing what our purposes are. And listen, it's easy to do. I mean, really, it's easy to do. But listen, God says that you are created in the image of God. I was created in the image of God. My son is created in the image of God. And there's a purpose for his life. Right now, it doesn't look like there's much purpose in his life other than to sleep, eat, cry, and all the other things babies do. But don't you believe that God has designed him for a specific purpose? Uh, one pastor years ago uh, used this illustration, and I typically use it uh, on a monthly basis. Not really, but... If I were to go outside and walk underneath a pine tree and pick up a pine cone, and I were to ask you, when you look at this pine cone, what do you see? You see a pine cone. There you go. It's a stinking, aggravating pine cone. You know, they pay me money to pick those pine cones up and remove them. But it's more than just a pine cone. Okay? That pine cone has a specific purpose. What do you think it is that God sees when he sees that pine cone? He sees hundreds and thousands and millions of trees. Because the creator of the universe designed that pine cone with a specific purpose. 
It was to reproduce trees. God has designed for your life and for my life specific purposes. But we have to begin by asking the simple question, what is my purpose? What does God have me on this great earth for? Is it to just wake up at 5.30 in the morning, put on my clothes, get on my shirt, button it up, kiss my kids? Well, typically not. They're sleeping. Walk out the door, crank up my vehicle, drive to where I'm going to work, and do my duty for the day. And I do that all week. To come home on Friday with a little piece of paper that says a number on it. And we take that and we put it in the bank. And then, well, the wife goes shopping for groceries and the kids need some shoes. And so they go buy shoes. Or we come to church on Sunday and this pastor and that pastor and that other pastor, they preach a message. We hear it. We walk out the door. We go, we watch a little Sunday football or racing or whatever it is you do on Sunday. Go to lunch with the family. And then Monday it starts all over again. We do that over and over. And our kids, they grow. And we see them now about to turn 11 years old. And, and I think about it and I say, you know what? My daughter's 11. Like five, six more years, she's going to be driving and and it's already now at the state where, where I can walk up to her and hug her. And, and it's kind of uncomfortable now. You know, like she didn't want to hug her daddy. Like, like she used to run up and climb on my lap and love on me and kiss me. But now it's like, ugh, you know, you're a dude. You know? But the reality is, is what's, what's the purpose? Surely there's more to life than working all week to make a paycheck to make sure they have clothes when they grow to get bigger clothes. What is our purpose? Have to start with asking that question. Most of us live in a home, and in that home, there are different items in those homes, and those different items are manufactured and by different manufacturers. For different purposes. So when you walk into a home, you find a, a washing machine, a washer and dryer. The function is to wash clothes that are dirty from all week when we worked hard. And you go in the kitchen and there's an oven. And the purpose of that oven is to what? Well, cook those pizzas for those kids or those hot pockets or whatever. The cheapest thing we can find at Walmart, we slide in there, cook it, say, all right, here's dinner. Or there's a stove where the wife can make a fabulous meal and there's a table where we sit down and we eat together. And there's a dishwasher that we can wash the dishes after we're done eating. There's specific things in our home with specific purpose. You see where I'm going? I mean, I don't say, honey, let's uh, wash the dishes and the kids. Kids, take the dishes to the uh, to the uh, the washing machine. They don't go over there and throw dishes in the, dish wa- in, the, in the washing machine. Just like we don't dry our clothes in the oven. There's specific purposes for the materials that are in our home. 
And I want to just challenge you this morning and ask you the question, are you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, functioning in the proper purpose in which God's designed you for? I believe if we were going to be honest, many of us would raise our hands and say, I don't know. We would raise our hands and say, you know what, I'm not so sure that I'm, I am functioning in, in the design in which God has created me for. But I want you to know, God just don't make people. He creates them for a specific purpose. God has a God-sized purpose for you like He has a God-sized purpose for that little bitty pine cone. So what is your purpose? If you don't know that, this is the day that you can begin to discover what that is. Because we can't operate as a body of Christ if we don't know our functions. If we're trying to eat our food with our feet, that would look pretty funny, wouldn't it? If you were trying to take a sandwich and chew it up with your underarm, you'd be like this, you know. You would look really silly. The question is, what is it that God has created you for? What gifts has He gifted you with for the edification of the body of Christ? And are you functioning in the body of Christ in your daily lives in that arena in which He's created you to be? You have to be the person to ask the question, what is my purpose and am I doing? And don't be discouraged if you Have a purpose and you're not doing it. That's not my objective to discourage you because I can promise you today I've operated in many areas of life in which was not my purpose for a reason that I have no idea other than that I wanted to accomplish it. And then I get frustrated and I get discouraged because it's not working well. Stop trying to chew your sandwich with your underarms and start using your mouth. And I think that's where we have to come to. Because God is the designer of you and of me. And he has you made perfectly to function in the proper manner in which you were created. You see, Nehemiah knew the task in which God wanted him to accomplish. He understood his purpose. His purpose was to do all that God wanted him to do. And that was first off, go about and rebuild the walls of that great city. Once Nehemiah understood his purpose, he built his life around that objective. Two things that Nehemiah was going to need in order to start the project, which God was calling to, which he had been planning. Listen were both unattainable by himself. You know, God can call you to something in which you are unable to do and obtain by yourself. Which calls a dependency upon God. Which allows us to hit our knees and say, God, what you're calling me to, I can't do in my own power and in my own ability. And I'm going to have to trust in you and others to let that be accomplished through me.
Many of us today, including me, are trying our our hardest to accomplish that which God is calling to us on our own. Listen, when I was in Bible college, I did not go to Bible college to be a preacher. I went to Bible college to be an evangelist, to share the gospel with people on a daily basis through an organization called the Christian Fishing Association, which God allowed me to start several years ago. That was my objective. But while I was in college, people began to say, you should consider pastoral ministry. You have this gift of teaching and preaching. And so they began to maneuver me that way. And I began to listen and say, all right, well, God, where do you want me to be? And so he did that. And he, and he began to place me and put me where he wants. And I can tell you, ever since I've become a pastor, my, my biggest desire is to invest into people and to see them grow spiritually. To see them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the hardest things for not only this pastor, but I'm sure for all other pastors, is to see that not take place in the body of Christ. I don't don't typically prepare all week to come in here and to to get a clap and a great sermon. No, I try my best to prepare what God has laid on my heart so that you can begin the process of growing. And becoming all that God wants you to be in your life. So that you can glorify and honor God. That's my desire. That's my hope. And too many times I try to do it in my own abilities. And so I get discouraged. I think many pastors get discouraged. Because they try to do it in their own ability. We plant seeds, and we water, but it's God who does the growing. What is it that you today are doing in your own ability, your own strength? Because I can promise you, you're going to get wore out, and you're going to get tired, and you're going to get discouraged. And the first thing the human mind wants to do when that happens is we want to quit. Because it's always better over there. It's always better on the other side. It's greener. And then when we get over here in the grass, it's really green. But somebody just sprayed weed killer in my yard. Because it's not as green anymore over here as now. It looks green over there, so let's go back. It looks green, you see. When we try to do things in our own abilities, this is what happens. That's sidetracking. Excuse me for going on that. But the hardest thing to do in life is to accomplish that which God has called us to by trusting and leaning and relying on Him. And so today we're going to talk about proceeding with purpose. And I'm sure that this message is going to be short of what it should be. But I hope it sparks some thoughtful process within you that allows you to ask yourself the question, am I proceeding with purpose? If you will, let's turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter 2 and look at verses 7 to, to, to 9, 7 to 8. Remember, he started out here in verse 6 with the question. 
How long will your journey be? And when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me. And I gave him a definite time. Verse 7. And I said to the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me for the governors of the provinces beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, and for the house which I will go to. And the king granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Now I want to take just a moment and look at a few points that I hope will help us tie all of this together and bring to us uh, a place of change in our lives so that when we are proceeding with purpose, we can understand what we need to be ready for. And so there's two points I want us to understand. The first thing is that we see Nehemiah is seeking help for protection. This man that is planned, that has now been asked the question, has been given the okay, he is now beginning to ask for certain things in which will help him accomplish the goal. And so he is going to begin to proceed with a purpose. And so he says, I need help for protection. The second thing we see is Nehemiah seeking help for product. Nehemiah understands he can't do this on his own. He understands that God is on his side. And so he begins to ask for certain things. So let's look at the first point. Nehemiah is seeking for help for protection. Have you thought about this at all? When you are in your life seeking to follow the will of God and proceeding with purpose, which God has called you to, and you and I are aware that we are in need of something, do we sometimes neglect the fact that we are in need of protection? And, and, and more specifically for the church, would you not agree that in a church plan, in a young church growth, one of the things that we need is protection. Why do we think that we need this protection? Well, Nehemiah understood the need for protection. And so Nehemiah speaking says, If it please the king, let letters be given me for governors of the province beyond the river that, that they may allow me to pass through until I come to Judah. Now the text doesn't come right out and tell us why he's looking for these letters in, in, in great detail other than making it to the job site, getting him to the place of his destination. But as we allow Scripture to inter interpret Scripture, we know that Ezra has already been on a vacation himself in Ezra 8.31. Let's read what it says. Ezra 8.31 says, Then we journeyed from the river of Ahava on the twelfth of the first month to go to Jerusalem. 
And the hand of our God was over us, and he delivered us from the hand of the enemy in the ambushes by the way. Sounds like Ezra in his travel routes had some difficulties traveling. And there were ambushes and enemies that were trying to stop him. And so Nehemiah, being the wise man that he is, understands his need to get to where the work has to be done. And so therefore he asked for these letters for protection so that he could arrive safely. Maybe Nehemiah understood that all of this that took place from Ezra. Or maybe he desired these letters for safe travel since Artaxerxes had previously stopped the building project in Ezra chapter 4, 17 to 22. Whatever conclusion that you come to, the truth is he didn't want anything to come between him and his purpose or his objective. That was which God was calling him to. We have to understand that when God grows us and we begin to step out in faith and God begins to show us our purpose, you become dangerous to the enemy. When you begin to understand your purpose and you begin to walk that path and you begin to head in the direction in which God's calling you to, I want you to understand the devil is going to step in and try to distract you from accomplishing that which God wants you to accomplish. And so we need protection. God has given us this purpose, first of all, to believe the gospel. And once we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, once we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, we are called then to go forth and to share that good message. Not the idea of, of, you know, uh, share share your faith and when necessary use words. I don't buy into that. The reality is salvation comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So we are called to go and to share verbally the gospel with people. Yes, we share the gospel through our lives. But I can promise you, I never had anybody come up to me and say, Stuart, you know what? I came to know Jesus Christ because you're such a good guy. And man, you just live so holy and righteous. No. It didn't typically happen. Now, Would you not agree we can really mess up an opportunity to share the gospel if if that man sees me out on the street drunk or if he sees me eating lunch with another lady or whatever the case may be, it may hinder my opportunity to share the gospel. But once we've got the gospel, once we've been saved, once God has regenerated our hearts, We have an objective, a purpose, and to fulfill the Great Commission and to go, therefore, and preach the gospel to all nations, starting right here in Bluffton, South Carolina first. And we need protection. There will be opposition, and we'll need protection 
in our lives from misdirection, from false teachings. We'll need uh, protection from misuse, abuse. We'll need protection from persecution. We'll need protection from many different things that the enemy will bring up against us. Because, listen, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the enemy knows if he can throw something your way and distract you from your purpose, and he can prevent you from accomplishing that which he's called you to, he has won. And I'm sure that you can think of people in your life, and people you know in life, that right now, The enemy's winning. They're distracted. They're distracted. Opposition will come. But let me remind you that this. God promises protection for His children. God promises protection for His children. Psalm 12, 7 says, You, O Lord, will keep them... You will preserve him from this generation forever. Psalm 28.8 says the Lord is their strength and he is a saving defense to the anointed. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 says the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. Nehemiah understood his need for protection And I believe we need to be reminded that we need God's protection when we go to about accomplish His goals. I don't know where it is that God has you today in your walk. I don't know where it is that God is calling you to, but what I do know is the evil one, He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And typically in that progression. You see, if I steal something from you, it's taken away. It can be replaced. If I kill something, well, there's the existence of it's gone. But if I destroy it, it is utterly irreplaceable. That's how the enemy works. As we begin to plan our lives as Christians, And as a church, my hope is that we will continue that process of looking to God. Which I believe, as most of you are, focusing your lives in what it is God wants you to accomplish. That's why you're here this morning, most of you. You're sensitive to that which God's calling you to. As I speak with some of you, your, your directions are very clear. You have a purpose. Your objective is to, to accomplish that which God's... That's great. That's an encouragement. But in that process, let us not forget the need for protection from those that would like to see what God is doing here in your life, in this church, fail because... You realize there are some that want to see this fail. Because then they want to point a finger and say, I told you so. 
Let me tell you what, we worship a God bigger than that. We worship a mighty God that has promised, and I will stand on it, that if the church of Jesus Christ is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell will not destroy it. And I truly believe that with all of my heart. We need protection. And God uses kings to protect. And God calls us as believers and brothers in Christ to protect one another. And we should protect one another in the body of Christ. When you hear someone backbiting against a brother or sister, you should stand up and tell them, no, we ain't going to go there. That's my brother in Christ. He, yeah, he might be jacked up. He, be, he might be all messed up. But that's my brother in Christ. Happened yesterday on a job site. The church in Hilton Head. Somebody started potting on it. We ain't going to go there, dude. I love you, man, but that's my brother and my sister in Christ. And that No, we ain't going to go there. You want to talk about anything else? Let's talk. But we ain't going to talk about that. That's what we need from each other. I need to know you got my back and you need to know that I got your back so that we can we can make sure that we're protecting each other. Because, listen, the enemy uses people to plant seeds of doubt in our lives. And it's devastating to the body of Christ. God loves us too much as his children to let that happen. So God uses us and kings to protect. This king had authority. God could call you to help protect by keeping an eye out for danger. You know, my, my, uh, my lovely wife, my helpmate, my greatest blessing ever, you know, as we talked about what happened, she said, you know, I'm sorry. hope you don't mind me saying this, but she said, I'm sorry that I didn't uh, help protect you more. You see, because she saw something in me that I didn't see. When, 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 when I wasn't, Given what I was promised, I became disgruntled. See, I didn't see that. She saw that. And so when I took this job, it was to basically say, I can do it on my own. That's the old me. And she afterwards said, I, I'm, I, lo- I, I lost it there for a minute. I'm sorry. I, it, I should have. I should have protected you better. I should have said something to you before. Because she saw something wrong. You see, that's what we do for husbands and wives and brothers and sisters. We, we get advice. Listen, when I need something or I need advice, I typically go to someone else, brothers and sisters in Christ, and say, what do you think of this? Because I'm looking for protection. That's what we need from each other. 
Some of us could protect by serving alongside in the building process of people's lives. That's why we do one-on-one discipleship with men. Because we want to protect them and to grow them and to see them grow spiritually. It could become in a way of providing the power that God is in tra- Do you realize that some people just inherently have power? I can tell you this. In the last three churches, well, two churches that I've been to, the last two churches that I've been to, there have been people in the church with power. Now, sometimes uh, money can drive that power, but sometimes it's just this lifestyle that God has entrusted that, that is an anointing almost. And people listen to that person. God could call you to help utilize that just like this king had authority and God utilized him to accomplish if it please the king let letters be given me of the governors of the province beyond that beyond the river that they may allow me to pass through i was thinking about that nehemiah was asking for help to simply make it to the job lord get me there sometimes the hardest trials of life come before we ever get to where it is God has taken us. Listen, if you're going through difficulties in life, if you're going through struggles, if it seems like everywhere you turn you're hitting a dead end, whatever it is God is doing in your life, many times it's because we're on the way to where God wants us to be. And that can be difficult. But be encouraged that God is there to protect you. Brothers and sisters are there to protect you through that process of getting to where it is you want to be. Sometimes those can be difficult. You may struggle here. You may struggle there. You may struggle everywhere. But listen, there God is to protect you, to get you where you need to be. So that you can proceed with purpose and trust in the Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Proceed with purpose. Don't be uh, prideful in our lives to make sure that uh, when we are being developed that we won't ask for help. How many of us are guilty of that? I can do this on my own. I got this. I got this. Y'all watch. That's the attitude of many Americans today. We're so prideful uh, because we can accomplish just about anything we set our minds to because we've been given that freedom. Well, many things God calls us to, we can't accomplish on our own. God has called us as a church. And I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. Y'all can't do it on your own. We have to do it in community with one another. And so we can't be prideful in that development process to seek help. Because sometimes the process of proceeding comes from the process of 
eating with God, with brothers and sisters. Give me letters. Help me, King, to get where God needs me to be. Maybe we need to start praying for kings in our lives to help us get where it is that we need to be so that we can proceed with purpose. Nehemiah was seeking help for protection, but secondly, Nehemiah is seeking help for pro- with, from pro- for product. Not only does Nehemiah see the need for protection, he sees the need for product or material within the objective in which he's trying to complete. He has a job to build, therefore, just like any other job, unless you have materials on site, there always needs to be some there. And without materials, there's always a delay in schedule, and he can't delay his schedule. He's got to be completed for God when God needs him to be completed. Therefore, he needs the materials right away. The king knows the time frame in which he's already given. and He's going to complete the project. So he understands that if he's maybe going to get his cupbearer back and get him back into action, he better help him with the materials that he needs to get the job done. I believe that God can use you and me to help provide the materials to accomplish what it is he's called us to. And sometimes I believe God, inside of this king, this king probably wasn't thinking like, you know, this is God calling me to do this. He was probably thinking from a, from a king standpoint, I have access, I can give from a selfish standpoint. God used that to bring about his purpose. And I think God can do the same things in our lives. He can use us in our selfishness to accomplish the goals and the, the plans in which he desires to see done. And so he is seeking not only a letter to get there, but he's asking for product. I'm looking for travels for safety letters and a letter to Aspha, the king of the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timbers to make beam for the gates of the fortress, which is by the temple, for the wall of the city, for the house to which I will go. Nehemiah needed timber for three different purposes. All three were very important. And without over-spiritualizing the text, which I don't want to do, I want to draw out some of these things because the reality is without gates, without walls, there were no protection. Remember previously the gates have been burned down, they were destroyed. Well, gates were placed in the city for protection. And here, Nehemiah is going to make sure that he is giving the king the order of service in which he desires to rebuild in this process. First and foremost, he wants to start with the gates. Because he understands that if he can close the gate, he can stop things from coming in. When gates are down... Anyone can barge right in and plunder. And when they are up, we are protected to some extent from strangers coming in and to destroy this great city. They're trying to protect the temple. 
But today we're the temple of God. You and I are the the temples of God. And God wants to protect us. And so He wants us to build gates in our life to prevent those things from coming in and going just as they well please. And when we allow the enemy to work down our gates, he can get in and start messing up that temple. And so we need to ask ourselves the question this morning, what gates have we allowed to be destroyed in our lives? If we're going to be honest, we're just going to have to say we all have done these things. You know, we were talking about yesterday with a guy, and we talked about sin and, and how, you know, if, if when we deal with people and we talk about sin, and, and, and I'm looking down on this sinner because maybe he's not a believer and I'm a believer and he's a sinner, then we, we've evaluated that wrong. Because sin in itself should level us to the same state. The only difference is, is me as a believer. This sin leads me to understanding my salvation in Christ. Not based off of my efforts, but based off of Jesus Christ alone. And the sin in this unbeliever should also do the same thing. Showing him because of a sin there's a separation. But the sin that's there gives us access back to Jesus Christ. Who has died for the sins of all man. You see, all sin should lead us to Jesus Christ. For the believer, it should lead us to repentance and forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the unbeliever, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from this sin. All sin should draw us to the gospel. The gospel message. And when we allow these gates to be falling down in our lives, we allow the enemy to come in and to just plunder however he wishes and distort things in the gospel message and it distorts our view of who we are and our sin and all those other things and it all get messed up. And so we have to ask the questions, what gates have we let down? Have we allowed the gates of, of purity to be broken down and conformed to the world? saying it's okay to do this and that before marriage, or it's okay for this male and this male to, to come and join together in marriage? Have we allowed the gates of faith to be broken down where we become faithless children again? How about the gates of giving, the gates of love? Have we allowed the gates of forgiveness to be broken down in our lives so that the enemy of unforgiveness finds his way into the temple of God? Have we allowed the gates of humility to be torn down in our lives and allow the enemy of pride to, to come in and take over our lives? You see, again, we're just shooting a shotgun out and, and I'm hoping that, that these things fall on wherever it is God is working in your life. Because I struggle with all of these. Where do you think I came up with them from? That what comes out of the mouth is what's in the heart. And so I'm not some elevated professional giving you the word of God. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. No, I want you to understand. I struggle just like you struggle. And we can come together in understanding that when we struggle, it should point us to repentance in the gospel in Jesus Christ. God doesn't want those gates to stay down. 
He wants those gates to be built up to correct themselves. And He sends men like Nehemiah into your lives to tell you the gates are down and we need to fix these gates and here's how we fix them. He needed wood. We needed wood. He needed nails. We needed nails. He needed a wall and we needed a cross. The gates are broken down in our lives, yes, but we have the cross of Jesus Christ to help rebuild those gates as we begin to walk and to proceed with purpose to accomplish the goals in which God has called us to in our lives. Gates are for protection. Nehemiah sees the need for fixing them. And so he asked the king for material. The wall needs fixing. And he himself needed a place to stay until the job was complete. And so he said, I need a house. I need need a home where I can stay and, and work on this wall. In the rebuilding process, all of these things were vital. God has given some of you the ability to play the role of king in the lives of people around you. Some by providing in different ways, and some of you have been called to be Nehemiahs, to do the work and and to lead. And, And as we'll find later in the book, each person had a different job, and each job needed to be complete until the project was done. But the structures had to be fixed. And so I want us to ask ourselves today, how is it that God wants me to invest in the rebuilding process of not only my own life, not only in the lives of others, in the church of Jesus Christ? In the church, it takes manpower. It takes money. It takes prayer. It takes service. It takes dedication. It takes product or material and on and on and on. It takes building in the lives of people through discipleship, through encouragement, through prayer, through however it is that God has wired you with the gifts He's blessed you with. And I know that each of us can think about how we can best serve one another. This is where the process of proceeding with purpose comes in handy. We have Sunday school teachers in our church. We have folks making meals for the fellowship hour. We have others giving more money than others. Well, because God has entrusted them with more. We have folks watching babies during the service. We have people working through the week to make sure that the music is all to come together. We have others preparing messages. For the worship service, we have those that help serve the Lord's table. We have those that that do payroll and taxes and bills. We have those that put lists together of names and addresses and emails. And we have prayer teams. We have those that, that are inviting each other to church. We have those that are sharing the gospel. We have those that are helping mended broken relationships and in families and in marriages and in, in whatever it is. We have lots of body parts working together right here within this small little group of believers. 
that should be encouraging. That should be very encouraging. To know that all of that is, is taking place. Typically to see Sunday mornings unfold in an organized manner. But more so, we should be looking for it to unfold seven days a week. So that when we leave here, we don't bring the church, but we take it out with us into the community. Isn't it where people come to, they come to, to listen here, but you and I are the body of Christ. We're the church. We should be taking the church to the community to love them and to support them and to say, hey, listen, we have, well, we have a lot of answers. We have most of the right answers. We have hope and we have grace and we have mercy and we have love and we have all of those things that come within this body. Nehemiah knew that he was going to need protection. He knew that he was going to need the product. And all of what he was doing was in preparation for fixing that which was broken down. We are the bride of Christ. And our objective, each one of us in the body of Christ, is to help fix broken walls. And I want you to know that I love each one of you guys. I don't even know you that well yet. But I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. And I hope that you will be there for me as I will be for you and as you will be for each other. Because we need one another more now than ever. And listen, if things continue to unfold in our nation like they are, we're going to need more. (laughs) Oh boy, we're going to need each other more than we've ever imagined in our lives in just a few short time frames. And we need to think about those things. We need to make sure that we are progressing with a purpose. It starts with our need for Jesus Christ first. Christ will help each of us accomplish the task which He's calling us to. And the reality is, don't forget what He says in verse 8 at the end. And the King granted them to me because the good hand of God was on me. As we begin to look at pursuing God-sized purposes not only in our lives, but in this church, in the lives of others, it is a great reminder that God can move the hearts of kings because the good hand of God is on us. I want to be a church that the good hand of God is on. That not mean we're perfect and we have it all figured out, but I want to be a church. I want to be a Christian that the good hand of God is on. And I want you to have the victorious Christian life where you feel like the hand of God is on you as well. It starts with the process proceeding with purpose. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your great work.